0: When I was a kid, people actually took time off in the summer, including the people making TV shows that ran on the four stations that we had back then. So in the summer, we got reruns. Here at Geological, we're taking the month of July to, as they say here in Missouri, go fishing. I'm looking at it as some Yinton vacation in the middle of the greatest Yang of the year. So for the month of July. I've got some reruns for you that you've likely not heard because they are some of my favorite conversations from the early days. You may or may not know that before Geological, I did a podcast called Everyday Acupuncture. It was aimed at the general public and so we didn't get all deep and geeky with the medicine but it turns out a lot of acupuncturists listen to Everyday Acupuncture and it was your interest that sparked Geological. So, I hope that you'll enjoy these pre heaven conversations from before Geological was Geological. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs? is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit acufastneedlescom slash geological to learn how.
1: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Maywe Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gone this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Maywei.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face, so subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
0: I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so. Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it. Even Saturdays, you can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to janeapp switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Cheological at the time of sign up for a one month grace period on your new Jane account. One of the wonderful things about recorded podcast conversations is that they allow us to capture a moment. Today's conversation is with Njamile Carol Jones. I first met Njamile when we were both in acupuncture school and feel so lucky to have been able to call her my friend for such a long time. She passed away a couple years ago and I do sorely miss her. She always had compassionate, Honest to the bone advice when I lean on her for some counsel. This conversation is from the very early days of everyday acupuncture. I had no idea at the time that we recorded this that years later be republishing this conversation and so grateful for this opportunity to share Njamile's thoughts, perspectives, and spirit. Listen up, y'all. You're in the presence of a wise woman here. Njamile, hi! Welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to
2: be here and sharing this time with you. Yeah.
0: So, you got a really interesting name, Njimile. Mm-hmm. Where does that yes. come from?
2: Well, in my research and from a few other Njamiles I've met on Facebook, <laughs> um, the name, the origin of the name is from the s- East Africa, uh, southern part of Africa, even though it has kind of a West African sound, and from everything I've read in the short meaning of it is that it's a name given to encourage one to honor her beliefs, to live with integrity, and someone talked to me about how that means, like in a strong wind, uh, being a tall, strong tree that bends in the wind but doesn't break. But mm. does bend. Yeah. That part's important.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fragility doesn't really serve any of us, does it?
2: No, because you'll just snap. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So you're an acupuncturist and an herbalist. Yes. And uh, you work with fertility.
2: Well, I, I do assist people who want to have babies, but I think of my practice as much broader than that, It's more generally reproductive medicine, um, specifically OBGYN conditions. There's so much that Chinese medicine can do to assist people with their fertility, but and I came to this because of how it helped me with my periods. And so I was really fascinated with how well, Chinese medicine can assist people with all kinds of rep- reproductive problems. I was really struck by the specifics of how Chinese medicine can address a broad array of reproductive problems easily. Yeah. And so I, I, while I do while a lot of my um, patient base is, is fertility patients, I do have other women and men who come in for other kinds of reproductive issues, and I like to treat those.
0: Right. One of the things that was really surprising to me when I was studying Chinese medicine, because when I first started to study it, I just knew I was interested in acupuncture, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize the incredible treasure trove of information and practice for women's health.
2: Yes. And it
0: blew my mind to have women come in And and to find out, well, first of all, what a woman's cycle was like or or what it should be and how often it wasn't, and the amazing changes that would happen often very, very quickly.
2: Oh, yes, very quickly. I I experienced that myself. Tell us about your experience. Well, I worked for many years as a, a public radio producer on national news shows and I worked on a show that went on the air, uh, NPR Morning Edition. It went on the air at six in the morning. And so that meant the production staff had to work all night. So I was going into work at midnight or one in the morning until nine or ten in the morning. And you had to come in functioning at
0: high speed. In the middle, in the middle of the the night. Middle
2: of the night, and there's a lot of coffee and um, a lot of snacks and things to kind of keep you going. So that meant you were—I was constantly taking in stimulants when I was supposed to be sleeping. Mm. And so I had a lot of trouble sleeping. I had a, a lot of moodiness and irritability. And I noticed that my menstrual periods were getting really unbearable, like painful. So
0: prior to that, they'd been okay?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah. So uh, it really got exacerbated when I was on this all-night work schedule. And I was learning a lot about production. And in my off hours, I was doing a lot of independent projects, trying to get uh, skills at being a better producer. So mm-hmm. I kind of jumped in and did all kinds of projects and more things I had time for. So that meant I was getting less sleep. So sometimes I was staying up 16, 18, 20 hours a day working on projects and doing my job. And my periods were getting worse and worse and worse. And the stress level I was feeling kept getting heightened. And so uh, one day I was just looking through... Uh, newspaper, a local kind of Lala New Age newspaper, and I saw a photograph of a man from China doing Tai Chi on the beach. There were these beautiful waves in the background and a sunset, so that pulled me in, Mm -hmm. and I read the description of how Tai Chi could address your stress level, make you feel relaxed, help you sleep better and he was having a class the next week. So I said, "Oh, I'm going to do that because the description felt so authentic to what I was experiencing and I felt like in looking at the photograph, this this guy knows what he's talking about." Mm-hmm. So
0: you were drawn to it. Now, I, I'm curious if and this will get a little personal maybe, were you doing like medications to help with sleep and and that sort of stuff in addition to the stimulants or
2: No no medications or anything like that. I had gone to a doctor who gave me some suggestions about vitamins to help me with the stress and they were helping, but my periods were still pretty unbearable. Mm -hmm. So I was really at that point, I think looking for something to help me feel more at home in my body to relax more. And so when I saw this photograph, Dr. Li looked really at home in his body. His name is Nyanzu Lee and he's a Tai Chi instructor here in the um, in Maryland here. So I went to his class and he'd been in the States from Beijing. He was an acupuncturist trained in Beijing and had studied Tai Chi and Qigong for many, many years. And but he'd been here about three or four years, I think. And so he wasn't speaking a lot of English. He didn't talk to us. He demonstrated the movements and dem- encouraged us to do them softly yeah. and to open our joints so we could feel the flow of the chi. And I was really feeling this softening and tingling my hands and my feet and I like that feeling. I had a hard time with the focus and the concentration because my to-do list kept popping into my head. I bet it did. All these things, and sometimes I used to struggle with with focusing during the class. But so, so it's always, a very
0: meditative, yeah, very meditative sort of uh, physical activity.
2: Mm-hmm. And it and the way he taught because he didn't speak a lot. There was a lot of repetition, and. So, you know, my mind wanted stimulation. (laughs) So there was always a kind of a tussle. But I gradually found myself surrendering to this. Just do the movement. Just repeat it. And so I continued to go. And uh, there was another student in the class. Sometimes it was only she and I were the only ones there. And she... uh, she would stay and dis- and assist him with different things, and they got to be pretty close, eventually fell in love and got married. So he continued to teach, and she assisted him with setting up an office, and he began to offer acupuncture treatments.
3: Mm. And
2: I was so impressed with how I felt when I practiced the Tai Chi and Qigong and sometimes it was just that one hour a week when I could just forget about all my concerns and just get into my body with these simple flowing movements.
0: Now, even with that one hour a week, were you noticing any changes in, in, your, in your moods or in your stress or how you were dealing with things at work?
2: Mm-hmm. And mostly in my moods and in my ability to focus and not have so many things on my mind at one time and not having my thoughts jump from thing to thing to thing and being able to focus and finish something because I would just sometimes I would just um for two or three minutes in the midst of some assignment I just kind of wave my hands just or you know make sure my joints were open uh-huh. I'd I, just give my little myself a little taste of the chi for a few seconds. And
0: Brief. I wonder, I wonder. Do you know if anyone has looked into using tai chi for like ADHD and that sort of thing? It sounds extremely helpful for mm-hmm. uh, increasing focus.
2: Possibly, possibly. I don't know. That's an interesting question.
0: Yeah.
2: So anyway, I I said oh, I'm gonna try acupuncture, and I totally trusted him. I never had any misgivings or worries about needles sticking or anything like that, or I'm afraid of needles. I didn't have any of that. I just wanted to try it. I wanted to. I was so struck by how this simple movement could make my body feel and help my mind feel calm that I wanted to know more. So the first time I went, he asked me about my general health, and I started telling him about how painful my periods were, and he took that information into account and took my pulse, and he looked at my tongue, and again, he never talked. Mm. never talked. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He, you know, barely said anything, but he... He did a lot with his chi (laughs) in those treatments. And he needled me, when he was locating the points on my body, it was like he was just kind of drawing these lines and deciding, he took his time and decided where the needle was gonna go. And then I usually would start to feel this kind of heaviness in my limbs that was more intense than when I practiced Tai Chi. And I noticed that I would sometimes not be quite asleep, but not be quite awake, but just kind of go into another zone.
0: It's a really interesting place, isn't it? It's not really sleep, mm-hmm. but it's it's deeply settling.
2: Mm-hmm. But I was really struck with how transformative it was because... I had a lot of things going on personally and professionally and whenever I would get up after a treatment I always felt like so much stuff had just lifted out of me that fast (laughs) you know and Mm. I felt much clearer like when I was trying to find some answers for things they came much more clearly. My creative life was really inspired like I got a a lot of ideas that would just come to me quickly um, because I I, I I, guess things were much more in order. As a practitioner now, I understand more about how that works, but at that time, it was just really fascinating.
0: Sure, and kind of mind-blowing too, isn't mm-hmm. it?
2: Yeah, and I noticed that the work I was doing was much more interesting. It felt more life-giving, and I felt more willing to connect with people that I was interviewing and connect with people that I was working with and just more centered. Mm-hmm. And so I continued to go week after week, and I began to notice that the pain I was having with my periods was going away and that uh, I didn't have a lot of the irritability and insomnia that I would have for a couple of weeks before it was due, that the acne, I used to have a really vicious acne before my period was going away, that the chocolate cravings were reduced considerably, um, and that my, I didn't have the heavy bleeding. I used to have to go to bed for a couple of days when I was really young. Um, with my period. But I began to see that that wasn't normal and that it wasn't normal for me to need pain relievers, like over-the-counter pain relievers.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you use the word normal. uh huh. And I don't know if you find this in your practice, but I, 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 s- I see it in mine where I women come in and I ask them about their period and they go, well, you know, it's normal. I, I've got this moodiness, prior to it. And then, you know, I've got clots and, uh, you know, it's painful for a couple of days. And what I've come to discover is that's actually not normal. It's common. And maybe their girlfriends and their sisters, maybe their mom have periods like that, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal.
2: That's right. And that's one of the things that I woke up to in the in this whole process of being treated. And as I felt more and more drawn to practice Chinese medicine, that's one of the things that I wanted to focus on with my patients is that a painful period that PMS is not normal. I still find myself saying that to my patients now, Mm -hmm. that it's what we're used to. And there's all these, things that are supposed to address it because it's such a common problem just as you just said Michael but it's not normal and it doesn't have to be and it's really fun to work with a woman for a few weeks and then have her next period come and the flow is smooth and there's no cramping and just yesterday two or three people said I didn't have any irritability and It's a little yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, and that's supposed to be normal. That's normal. But it's so generational. It's so generational because a lot of us were raised by mothers who had PMS and painful periods at a time when women weren't well, maybe not women not talking to each other. I think women were talking to each other, but there was it was something we weren't supposed to talk about. So it's it's very generational, I think. And I hope we continue to see our whole awareness around what's normal during a period evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you seeing changes with that in, in this next generation?
2: Slowly. It's slow. I, I think we'll it have to see. I, it's, it's pretty slow, but one, one on one, one at a time, it's, you know.
0: And this is a big piece of the work that you do, mm-hmm. is having these conversations.
2: Yes, that's right. I think it's worth the time. But the conversation isn't the only part. It's really important to me that the patient has her own experience of this change. It's not enough for me to talk about it, Mm -hmm. but that I've got to be able to offer her some very time-tested, reliable um, treatment methods to help her have that experience. But I find it's very empowering when they start. It helps a woman be able to experience her own self-healing capacity when she sees that there are certain things she can do with her diet and with the acupuncture treatments and with exercise and better sleep that's going to make a qualitative change in her whole menstrual experience.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. It's at com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
0: What are, this, what are some of the things that women can do to, to help promote their own self-healing? And it sounds like deeper awareness of their own incarnate experience with with, uh, being a woman here.
2: Well, that's a benefit of the process, I think, of the time. I mean, the time, when you spend time making sure that you prepare yourself a meal or meals, two or three meals a day with fresh food that's not processed and take time to... Enjoy a cup of red raspberry leaf tea instead of popping uh, ibuprofen. I don't know if I'm supposed to mention specific pharmaceuticals, but we know which ones everybody uses. I don't have to say by name.
0: No, we can. We, I mean, we can talk about anything we want yes. here. Yes,
2: but when you spend the time to make yourself some red raspberry leaf tea with some nettle and sit down and drink it calmly or sip it throughout the day, and you notice that you're not having a lot of menstrual cramps, that's going to open your eyes to what your body can do. Mm. And as it did for me, just uh, raised my cu- level of curiosity about what else was possible.
0: Do you see women being curious about their, about their uh Oh, health? yes.
2: Oh, yes, all the time, yeah. all the time. And I think as uh, East Asian medicine practitioners, that's we offer a lot in that area. We offer a lot of opportunity for that um, interest to develop, and we kind of can share in that process with our patients, Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. It's not a quick fix, is it?
2: No, and what I find myself... Uh, always thinking about and t- when it's appropriate talking with patients about the fact that it's this isn't the kind of medicine where you just come in, I place the needles, you lay on the table, you get up and you go back and you do everything else you're doing. You, do, you don't change your lifestyle habits. And so then you go out and you go have some fast food or some candy or you drink a few cups of coffee a day and say, oh, my acupuncture, I'm going to have my acupuncture. It's a partnership, so I'm not fixing anything. I'm assisting in your process of experiencing better health because that was the process for me, and I'm committed to that because that's how I came to this. So there may be other ways that other people would explain this. Other practitioners would explain or approach this, but most of the colleagues I have have a similar idea that we're supporting and working in partnership with you being um, able to take good care of yourself.
0: Yes, I, I, would, I would agree from my experience of doing clinical work as well. And I don't know if I want to say we're teachers and educators, I like your word of partners mm-hmm. because there's a give and a take and there's and there's a sense of exploration
3: mm-hmm.
0: that goes with the process. It's mm-hmm. it and it's not necessarily a linear process either. Sometimes folks I'll do an acupuncture treatment, they have that moment of quietude, they go out with a slightly different perspective in some way, and they start noticing things about their relationships or about their body or about how food affects them. Right. That they hadn't noticed before.
2: Right. And I think that bit of deep relaxation and quiet and experience of balance is um, like initiates and supports a person kind of. Getting off that merry-go-round where they know they don't feel well. They know their life's not the way they would like it to be. Their day is stressful and crazy and they're fighting with everybody. I had somebody like that the other day. or I usually have somebody in that situation every day. Mm -hmm. But just that period of quiet kind of makes that chaos stop long enough that they can say, whoa, maybe I need to try some things differently. And I find most of the people I see are pretty open to trying to extend the benefit of the treatment by doing some things differently in between appointments.
0: What are some ways that they can extend that benefit from the treatment? What Are, are there suggestions or things you talk about or, or things that you've heard your patients come in and say, yeah, I'm doing this or that, and it seems to really help.
2: Well, yeah, I, there's, I'm there's i always learning about and always trying to study about different ways that you can extend the benefits of the treatments. And my patients teach me a lot, too, um, especially about different ways of eating. Like lately, I've had a lot of people curious about paleo diets and Mm -hmm. doing them for short periods of time and coming back and telling me about how much better they feel because um, their digestive systems are working better. They feel more energy. They feel better when they wake up in the morning and they're less um, stressed out and irritable. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: What is it you think about a diet like, well, paleo, you just brought that one up. What is it about that diet in particular that that seems to bring this kind of thing about? Have you got a sense of that?
2: I'm still checking it out. I think I can only answer that question generally. I don't feel qualified to speak. There's so many sources of information, but from what I'm beginning to understand is that um, a diet like that eliminates a lot of the foods that cause cellular inflammation. Mm-hmm. And I think from my general understanding, a lot of the issues we have with digestion, with mood, with thought process, with sleep, with quality of our blood is impacted by the level of cellular inflammation. That And when cells are inflamed, they can't function well. And when they don't function well, our organs don't function well. Our chi doesn't flow well. Our blood doesn't nourish us. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, I think for many people, the diet is beneficial because it removes that inflammation and it removes those triggers that uh, cause cells to not function properly. Is that is that what you how you understand it?
0: Yeah, I, well, like you, I find that I learn a huge amount from my patients in the clinic, which isn't to say that I don't spend time reading and studying on my own outside. But the things that people come in with and they say, I've been doing this and I'm getting this result, or, you know, the opposite is I'm, I'm eating all this chocolate and I feel awful. But there's a lot that I find that I learn from my patients, And when it comes to diet, and I've been looking quite a bit at some of the metabolic, well, more Western metabolic science these days, Mm -hmm. and I would really agree with you that this issue of inflammation is pretty huge. Now, what's interesting for me is when I take it and then put the lens of Chinese, look at it through the lens of Chinese medicine, we're looking at damp heat, which is a real mischief maker, and because it really disrupts lots of the normal physiologic processes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So we'll call it damp heat in Chinese, but inf- I think it translates really well as inflammation from a Western point of view. True.
2: And that's interesting because I just had kind of flashed on the one time the acupuncturist I saw all those years ago really had a long conversation with me Um was about my diet. He took my pulse and he said, too much sugar, you're eating sugar. How much sugar are you eating? You're eating more than that. When I told (laughs) him, And, and he gave me this long lecture about how sugar creates mucus and mucus is damp and it clogs up the organs and makes everything move more slowly and then it makes you more hot inside. Stop eating sugar. If you just practice your Tai Chi and stop eating that sugar and you won't be so damp. And I remember he gave me kanji. He gave me a mix of uh, some damp clearing herbs in the kanji and told me to have that for breakfast every day for a few weeks. And he would keep checking my pulse to see if it was changing that I would have less mucus, he said. And so, yeah, even way back then, he talked to me about it. Right. Stop having
0: sugar. <laughs> Stop having sugar. Well, and, and more and more, especially as we look at sugar and insulin response and how it creates more fat in the body and how it raises cholesterol and, and things like that, mm-hmm. it really makes sense to to back off of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, In your work with uh, women's health and reproduction and that sort of thing, what kind of role do you see getting rid of sugar playing? How many people are dealing with this as part of the problem, I guess, is the question?
2: Oh, many. I would say the majority of the people that I see. And when I began working more closely with people who wanted to conceive babies, all the... People I studied with and worked with talked about the importance of encouraging people to eliminate foods that cause that dampness or that phlegmy, heavy, mucousy quality that develops in our body over time when things are so sluggish and inflamed.
0: How, How would people recognize if they're damp? I mean, you you and I have this uh, Chinese medicine point of view. We can say dampness. We kind of know what it means to us. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a regular person, like here in St. Louis, Missouri, for example, what would dampness, what would your ex- personal experience be if you were damp?
2: I think I would experience kind of foggy thinking, um, lack of desire to really move. Uh, bloating in my tummy, maybe loose stools, maybe um, periods of constipation in loose stools, maybe difficulty, like a thickness in the middle of my body, in a waistline, maybe headaches, Mm -hmm. um, maybe some... Sweating when, when I'm not really um, exerting myself. Um, but I think a real sluggishness when you think of...
0: Mentally and physically.
2: Yeah, like a heaviness, like a feeling of heaviness. And so it's like, you know, walk and feel that lightness and you're moving around easily. It feels like it takes effort to move. And we look at, and you can feel kind of a heaviness in your mouth that might feel mixed with some dryness. Feels like your tongue has a heavy, thick coating. Like a lot of people brush that coating or mm-hmm. scrape it off their tongue.
0: That's a that's a pretty good sign of dampness there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really any of our listeners here that are experiencing something like this.
2: Or if you have any kind of Skin outbreaks that ooze fluid or if you have acne before your period even that oozes fluid. Mm -hmm. Some people have swelling in their hands and feet or ankles and wrists that doesn't resolve easily or kind of puffiness under the eyes, especially when you wake up in the morning. And you wake up feeling really foggy and you think you need coffee to get moving. Sometimes that's
0: just dampness. It, so there's a lot of different ways it can manifest. Uh-huh. How does dampness interfere with, with fertility?
2: Let me think about that a little bit. I see it a lot. It can It can cause the formation of cysts. In the ovaries or fibroids in the uterus. It can affect the quality of the blood that needs to nourish um, the development of your eggs and then from there nourish your uh, endometrium or your uterine lining and uh, where an fertilized embryo would implant. It can Uh, make your menstrual cycle, the transitions from uh, uh, your period to ovulation and from ovulation to that second half luteal phase, it can make those transitions be very sluggish and slow and not happen very smoothly.
0: So maybe women would see what commonly in the Western point of view we'd say is certain kinds of hormone disruption? Would that be a fair characterization? Partially. Partially. Uh,
2: but it can also, I think more importantly, it can make the blood too thick and not move very smoothly. And so it's not nourishing you, it's not nourishing your uterus, it's not nourishing your eggs, it can't nourish the developmenting embryo because it's just... Full of thickness and, and, and dirt. Right. I was trying to figure out a good word to use for that. But, yeah, it can just make the quality of the blood. One of my teachers calls it crappy blood. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, it's really, and it's sluggish. I mean, there's a real aspect of it being sluggish mm-hmm. as well, which means it doesn't nourish the tissues nearly as well as it should.
2: Right, and, and not not qualitatively as well, and then you just don't have the nutrients available to support all these cellular processes going on. Like so many people come in and want to have a baby, and they think of it as a baby that they're holding in their hands, and that's the right way to think of this whole process. But I sometimes find myself explaining that we're talking about cells. This whole thing is starting with cells. It's not starting, it's the idea of the baby, but we also want to create the conditions so that your cells can do all the different processes and changes that result in a healthy baby. Right.
0: You know, I, I see this a lot in my practice too. Women come in and they're so focused on getting pregnant. It it seems to me they need some reminding that, well, getting pregnant is one step in helping to create a healthy, robust, vital life for your child. Mm
2: -hmm. That's true. And
0: there's a lot, I mean, there's plenty of ways of getting pregnant, but I'm not sure that all of those necessarily help to create a vital, robust life for the next generation.
2: Well, that's a really good point, and... I think over the years, I mean, I've been doing this work for 15 years and studying and learning all the time. That part of it feels important to me. Uh, but I feel that when I work with people now, I used to, just to step back for a minute, I used to focus on the endpoint. Let's help this person have a baby. And I, when I was starting out, I thought, Okay, what points do I need to be doing? What kind of herb formulas do I need to be giving? And I was so focused on trying to do everything right that but now as I've grown as I continue to study and learn, I think of my work more as helping the uh, parents, the people who are who are wanting to bring this child into their lives, helping them create the best possible conditions. For a pregnancy to evolve and a healthy pregnancy and healthy birth Um, and to a healthy child, as you said. Mm -hmm. So I think of a lot of my work more as preconception care, that when the conditions are optimal, the pregnancy is going to come out of that. And part of the optimal conditions is for you as a woman or the man feeling like your health and your well-being are tip-top shape, Um, that the conditions are so, so much better and, and, and your life force is so much stronger and your lifestyle is so much healthier that it's natural that a child would arise out of it. So it's not like I'm trying to, boom, just snap my fingers and do the right points and give the right herbs and I'm trying to help them create the conditions for it to evolve. And so what that has meant is um, most of the people I see do conceive on their own. Mm -hmm. I support people who are working with fertility centers and again, that helps create the conditions for a positive result to their IVF or IUI process, but a lot of people I see do conceive on their own after being told that they likely would not be able to.
0: In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing thing with Chinese medicine. Now, I'm I'm curious, do you see many men in your practice for for working on the fertility issues? More and more. More and more. I, I wanted to bring this up. I just, I just want to run this by you. I mean, by and large, I see women. And I'll ask about the man and, and his health and sperm count and, you know, all that other stuff. But the men, I in fact, I don't think I've ever seen a man come in. Even though it sounds to me that maybe the problem is not on the woman's side. It It might be more on the man's side. Of course, it's... You know, it, it it's it's rarely just one or the other.
2: Well, I mean, do you, are you saying you ask to see the man
0: and? Well, sometimes I'd like to, or or at least know what's going on with the man. But sometimes the report that I get back from the woman is, yeah, there's some issues with his sperm, his motility or morphology or you know count that kind of thing. But the men seem very reluctant to come in.
2: Oh, that's interesting because I I I don't always see that. I've... I've I mean occasionally I've worked with someone who came in a few times and then brought their partner or husband in and you know he might not necessarily see the benefit of the treatment and decides he doesn't really want to continue. Sometimes uh I've had lots of people who come in on their own and may not even their husbands may not even know they're coming. But I think if it's taking a while for a woman to conceive, especially in cases where they have had a baby and they're trying to have a second one, it's not happening, then it's really important to uh, pay attention to what's going on with the man. Mm -hmm. And I've even worked with some people who, if their husbands won't come in, that they at least have them take certain supplements and make changes in their diet and change their sleep habits and stop drinking coffee, stop doing the things that make the growth and development of healthy sperm difficult and start doing things that
0: nourish the development of healthy sperm. Can you give us a couple of examples of what men can do to help with that just on their own? without having to come see an acupuncturist?
2: Well, I really think it's important for them to see an acupuncturist. Oh, they should go
0: get some help that way. Mm -hmm.
2: But uh, pay attention to how they're sleeping, Um, uh, eliminating coffee, eliminating sugar. Watch, you know, we read a lot about the effect of having, of EMFs and Cell phones in the pockets and laptops. On. Really?
0: Cell phones in the pockets? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of concern about how constant exposure to devices affects the cellular formation of sperm. Hmm. I'm not an expert on that, but there's lots of information available about it. But I wanted to say one other thing about men is that I've really been very impressed with the commitment that some of these younger guys have to doing what they need to do to have families. I mean, they're real. It's not like there's been several couples I've worked with where it's not. The the woman's not the only one who's like driven to bring to ha- to get pregnant. The, a lot of times, like I've seen guys cry about it. I've se- like especially if there's been a miscarriage or if another m- month comes around and the woman's period has come. I mean, I've been really impressed with the. Um, Desire they have to be fathers, and that influences their willingness to um, have treatments. I have some guys I work with who make the appointments for their wives. Wow! You know, and and their own appointment, and mm-hmm. bring them in, and yeah, I've seen a lot of cases where they're willing to do whatever they need to do. I think it might just be a question of. Uh, individual case, or
0: perhaps, or, or you're on the East Coast. Things are a little different on the East Coast than they are here in the Midwest.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and,
0: true, true, true. You know, in terms of thinking and and that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Could
0: well, that's be. that's great. That guys actually sometimes make the appointment,
2: make the appointments, and sometimes come on their own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not. You're really not doing work that is oh how do i say it like push a you know push a few buttons and set things right and then you get a baby you're 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 treating people more as ecosystems it sounds like
2: i see better results that way i feel the results are and faster and faster and and i think that chinese medicine allows us to do this because it's not the kind of medicine, or I'll say East Asian medicine, which is some more widely used term. Um, is not the, when you're practicing correctly, you're not just doing automatic protocols on the, the same treatments for every person at the same time. You have to, it's, the One of the things that attracted me to this practice is that, the foundation of our work is to be able to assess and diagnose and develop a treatment program that's individualized for the person. Yeah, it's, it's based on um, solid foundation of theory and practice, but it, it's there are methods for individualizing it and. When we do that, that's when we get good results.
0: Absolutely. This is one of the things that has also really drawn me to Chinese medicine and keeps me deeply involved with it, is that everyone's looked at as an individual. There is there is no off-the-shelf protocol that's going to work for everybody. Right. Everybody's different. And the... The way the medicine is practiced best and the way it's most effective, like you mentioned, is when we really look at an individual and help that individual with the specifics that they need.
2: Yeah, and that means spending time with the person, figuring out what their digestion's like. If they tend to feel hot, if they feel cold, if they feel sluggish or if they feel hyper all the time, Or if they have any aches or pains, where are they located? And in women, when they want to have a baby, we spend a lot of time talking about what their menstrual cycles are like, what the flow of the blood is, what the ovulation, can they feel themselves ovulating? Do they have a sense? Do they have signs of ovulation? Do they have a stronger libido at their most fertile time? do they notice um change in cervical mucus um and i talk to my patients about that um and then afterwards do they um what's well there's other techniques i might recommend like keeping tr- track of your temperature if it's not too stressful for you um especially in that second half of the cycle Are the temperatures staying up? Um, Are you noticing back pain? Are you having any spotting? Um, When your period starts, do you have spotting or just does it start right up? All these factors play a role in how we determine how best to help.
0: Mm -hmm. For our listeners who may not actually be sure what a Normal period should be like. Could you run over that with us for a moment? Uh, just the period. Yeah. What should a normal What should a normal period be like? You know, a lot of a lot of women think normal is pain and clotty and their moody is all get out prior to it. What what is does an actual good regulated period look and feel like?
2: Well, and I again, it's really great to hear my patients describe a normal period after months or years of painful ones. And to find out that they could have a period that starts smoothly with no cramping, that doesn't have any clotting, that the blood isn't too watery and not too thick or mucousy, that it's a nice, bright, healthy red color, not too purple, not brown and dry. Um, Again, that there's no pain before, during, or at the end of the period. Uh, That they don't, that when you, you, a normal period usually won't involve the premenstrual signs like breast tenderness or sugar cravings or migraine headaches or um, back pain, low back pain, or... Uh, insomnia, night sweating, all that's resolved when your period's normalizing. And that it's occurring at 28 to 30 day cycles, that it's not every 23 days and not every 40 or 50 days, but 28 to 30. And that there are, there's roughly 14 days. Um, between ovulation and the onset of the period.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you found women who are having trouble with with getting pregnant, that when their periods become more regulated, that their fertility also changes?
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, but it's all the stages of it. It's all the stages of the whole cycle when they become more regulated. And that's a lot of specifics to go into here, but it's something that we pay attention to. Yeah, every phase of the cycle. And a lot of the medical doctors don't really rely too much on basal body temperature data. But for Chinese medicine practitioners, it's extremely helpful for us and there are many apps and online programs now that make it really easy to keep track of your basal body temperature. There are many that keep track of your cycle and kind of predict when you should be ovulating and having a period. But the actual data in a graph of a basal body temperature, a BBT chart, is very helpful for us to tell us a lot about your um, the internal transitions of all the phases of the cycle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And as a Chinese medicine practitioner trained in assisting women who want to conceive, um, it's help. It's really important for us to be able to look at a BBT chart and be able to tell where there might be some areas of irregularity, or um, where a chart that looks really good and and you can even see where there may have been some early conceptions. I mean, pregnancies and early losses from a chart. You can actually so, read that off a of BBT. Mm-hmm. You can get a good sense of it, but um, and and some people I've been able to look at their chart and see, oh, that's a pregnancy. That's a that looks that supports that's a chart that you see when someone's pregnant, but then their period comes, so something's off. Mm. Um, and then you take into account the your other other elements of your Chinese medicine diagnosis to try to figure out where there
0: may be a problem. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today in terms of? thinking about reproductive health and or even just health in general, cultivating that that fertile field so to speak.
2: I feel that living a fertile life is a is a lifelong process. It's not just wanting to have a baby. It's wanting to have a rich, full life, being able to live to your potential um, and to like know how to uh, uh, encourage your own well-being and support others and your family and your friends, your community and attaining high level of well-being. And so that's what I try to do one-on-one with my patients. And I really, again, feel committed to sharing all the gifts that Chinese medicine has for our reproductive health with not just women who want to have babies, but women who are going through menopause or approaching menopause. Again, Chinese medicine is very helpful and very balancing during this topsy-turvy phase of life that goes on for many years. And there's much we have to offer. And I'm I really feel committed to offering these my services to women in that situation because I think far too many of us are moving into that phase without enough awareness of what's happening to us
0: and so well maybe we can have you back another time to talk about that because that's that's a whole topic all in its own and, and a whole different phase of life and I love your thoughts about not just fertility and getting pregnant, but living a fertile life, living a life that actually allows us to, to bring forth you know, the goodness that we're here for yes. and what we have to offer. Yes. That's powerful.
2: And I get a lot of joy from working with women who I may have assisted for three, four, five, six months before they conceive and then they continue to come in when they conceive. And I work with them until the baby comes and it feels really important to them and to me to meet this new person and I get a lot of joy from that. I get a lot of, lots of people send me, keep in touch. And I also really feel and have seen um, many patients Kind of transform themselves through this whole journey of self-care and attention they're able to give themselves to get ready to be pregnant. And by the time the baby comes, they're in a lot better place to be parents. They have a lot to teach their children about self-care and their own intuition and uh, focus and things like that. I, I really like seeing that.
0: It sounds to me like a fertile life is not necessarily a medical condition.
2: <laughs> yes, it's much richer than that, much. And it's always great to talk with you and thank you so much.
0: Always a delight to talk with you and thanks for being on the show.
2: Thank you too, Michael. I'm very happy you could do this.
0: Well, I hope that you enjoyed this vintage Everyday Acupuncture podcast conversation. There are 80 episodes, and you can download them to your podcast player from Apple or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological